0: just like you, your customers know hard work. They strike, pry, and demolish day in and day out. Fiskars Pro is instantly recognized by tradespeople and DIYers alike for tools that not only perform and last, but that reduce negative impact on the body. Tools that work for you. Case in point, the Fiskars Pro hammers featuring isocore, the industry's best shock control. Fiskars Pro Hammers reduce strike shock and vibration by four times, allowing your customers to drive easier, strike more effectively, and work with less fatigue. Learn more about Fiskars Pro Hammers and the entire lineup of Fiskars Pro hardware at Fiskars.com pro. That's F-I-S-K-A-R-S dot com P-R-O. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Taking Care of Business podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Trottencheck. And um, it is hard to get into a conversation these days, uh, particularly uh, when you're talking to retailers, distributors, or manufacturers, where all of the let's just call it unique situations that we are fl- facing up and down the supply chain don't come up in those conversations. And, um, you know, obviously kind of the 800 pound gorilla is is the pandemic and the impact that that has had on not just the home improvement supply chain, but supply chain in general. But it just seems like this uh, past 12 to 18 month period has been a uh, one hit after the next so we uh were hoping to kind of sort through some of this and and give everybody a little bit better understanding of what's happened in the supply chain what's currently happening Um, how it is impacting our everyday lives and businesses, Um, and we thought we would reach out to someone who lives knee-deep in the supply chain every day. So, our guest for today's program is Dent Johnson. He's the Vice President of Merchandising with Do It Best, and Dent's going to take time out to talk to us a little bit about all things supply chain. So uh, grab a drink, sit back, and uh, after this word from our sponsor, we're going to get into our conversation with Dent coming out of a year like our industry has faced it's probably more important than ever to recognize the class of young leaders that are taking our industry into the next generation and that's exactly what NHPA has been doing for the last 25 years with our young retailer of the year program and this year's class is truly impressive and even though we're not going to be able to get together in person in May to recognize this year's honorees we are inviting every Everyone in the industry to tune in to the virtual Young Retailer of the Year Awards Ceremony, which is going to be on May 5th at 2 p.m. And during this ceremony, you're gonna to get to meet all of this year's honorees and hear their truly inspiring stories about how they're helping their communities, leading their businesses, and working to get a more advanced place in the industry and to advance the industry. It's completely free to attend, and all you have to do. Is is go to YourNHPA.org forward slash Y-R-O-T-Y and sign up, and then you can watch the program and hear all of their stories. This is also the 25th anniversary for the Young Retailer of the Year program, and we have an exciting ceremony planned for this October, the night before the National Hardware Show, so you can learn more about that too. And it's important to mention that none of this would be possible without the support of the program sponsors. and NHPA would like to recognize them for their dedication to the independent retailers who are pushing the boundaries of the industry each day. So this year, we want to give thanks to Aero Fastener, Epicor, Fluidmaster, Intertape Polymer Group, Midwest Fastener, MyTech, and Pony Jorgensen. Without their support of this program, we would not be able to encourage these young leaders for starting their careers and taking the industry into the next generation. Dent, welcome uh, to the program. It has undoubtedly been a busy year for you, I I am sure. Um, And, uh, you know, as I was saying in the intro, um, this has really been a year really unlike any other. I mean, it's just such, everything is so strange for the home improvement industry this year. Um, Unprecedented sales growth in such a short amount of time. Um, so that's the upside. Every you know, you know, you talk to anybody on the retail side, and they're and they're really putting up record numbers, and that trend continues. But you know, the the you pull back the curtain a little bit, and you start looking at what some of the impact of these sales, together with some of the other challenges we've had. Um, up and down the supply chain, and it's a it, it, it's a it's a strange year to, to say the least. Uh, I mean, you know, who would have thought that sales would increase? You know, that would also we'd have problems getting products into the country. We'd have raw material shortages. We'd we'd have record ice storms, and then most recently, a ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Um, you know, I, 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 as summer approaches, I, I'd imagine the locusts are on their way. Um, but but let let me start by one again welcome to the program but but two uh, talk us through where we've been over the last 18 months and what's what's kind of going on now
1: Yeah sure thing Dan first of all thank you for having me it really has been an interesting time and uh, I'm glad to say you've already checked off the list one of my most unpopular <laughs> words unprecedented that's yeah. one I'm really tired of hearing these days but certainly describes the situation um, you know in modern supply chain terms I'm not sure we've ever seen anything like this. You know, supply chain management is supposed to be about planning and capacity management, allocation of resources, all of that using kind of the best range of assumptions that we have for a particular situation. Um, And I guess the easiest way to talk about 2020 in supply chain terms is all of those assumptions uh, were completely blown away. Uh, The things that we would say could normally possibly happen. Uh, even in the most extreme cases, uh, in terms of capacity and demand conditions, uh, we completely uh, blew all that away. So, you know, I've been working in and around the industry, uh, not not ours, but even others for more than 20 years. I've been working with very complex global supply chains, right. uh, built a lot of scenarios and contingency plans. Uh, but boy, I tell you, the playbook did not normally include, you know, a 25 to 30 percent. Immediate capacity hit, sometimes more for some of our our suppliers. Right. Uh, extremely unpredictable labor conditions. Things like hey, people getting sick. Guess what? I'm on quarantine. Uh, oh yeah, uh, there's a government subsidy for 600 bucks. I'm not really interested in coming to do my warehouse job. Yeah. Uh, and oh by the way, in the midst of a 25 to even 100 percent demand increase. Um, Those are just things that make supply chain planning really, really complicated under any conditions. I think what's even more complicated about this is it's been going on for a long, long time. Many, many months uh, across a lot of categories. So, uh, you know, most companies in our industry have seen something like five to seven years of growth happen in six to nine months. And it's just really done a number on the supply chain and all the way upstream to raw materials. So a lot of stress on the system.
0: Yeah, and and you and I were just talking before we started recording about this, and it seems like um, it's hard to find an area of even our everyday lives where somehow someone isn't impacted by what's going on in the supply chain. I was talking about my mom looking for a new refrigerator, and (laughs) she was shocked to find out what the lead time was on a refrigerator. And and you mentioned uh, 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 an article you had just read or, or something you just <laughs> just heard about that, that, that really kind of brings home the, the supply chain challenges. Yeah,
1: something I got a bit of a bit of a laugh about, although I guess it could be serious. Um, there's a major shortage of ketchup packets, of all things. <laughs> um, apparently, ketchup is the most used sauce in the United States. Uh, ketchup usage is up 15%. You'll see there are a lot of parallels here. Uh, I didn't know that... Uh, Apparently we consumed 300,000 tons of ketchup in the United wow. States last year. Uh, Heinz has 70% market share. They were not ready at all for this. Um, and, and you know what, they've reacted like most of the suppliers in our neck in our, uh, of the woods. They've increased their capacity. They're trying to build it up 25% so they can make 12 billion ketchup packets. That's with a B uh, to supply the industry this year and guess what just like uh, a lot of our other suppliers in, in paint and lawn and garden they're going to more shifts they've decided to simplify their SKU mix and they're focused mainly on ketchup packets with the takeout industry taking off so really just a lot of parallels on a kind of an everyday item that we might take for granted
0: well it, it is just such an interesting thing too because it lets you even from a very kind of simple way follow the logic that you know immediately, you might think about well, why would I mean why would demand for ketchup increase? But then you think about how many people are ordering carryout, and every time you order a hamburger or whatever it is carryout, they just grab a handful of ketchup packets and throw it into the bag. And That's and right. so if if carryout orders are ten times what they were, well, they're not using the ketchup sitting on the table because no one's sitting at the table. So I I mean, and it's not a whole lot different. Like you said, it's a great parallel to what we're seeing here more people are working in their yards and gardens and painting rooms and 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 building uh fixing things and so that's created increased demand and all the same while the things that are causing the ketchup great up shortage of 2021 <laughs> are are also plaguing our market from like you said from people not able to come into work at the distribution center to not having enough truck drivers or longshoremen or whatever it is so we We kind of know where we've been, and what what do you see? what is kind of the situation on the ground right now? where you, you know uh, uh, early on and midway through the pandemic, I mean, we heard a lot from retailers about man, my fill rates are fifty percent, sixty percent, that kind of stuff. And, and now we've heard that's obviously increased and gotten better. but but what where are we sitting right now uh, with with the supply chain for this industry?
1: Yeah, you know, if you had asked me this 18 months ago, I would I would tell you we're in a severe crisis and we're at historic yeah. lows uh, compared, yeah. <laughs> compared to what we're used to to seeing. But uh, as you mentioned, things have started to improve. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the supply chain has been under serious stress for a long time, starting obviously with anything PPE, moving through all the categories, some of which you mentioned, you know, associated with being stuck at home. And then it really it migrated to, you know, uh, the demand and the more serious sort of home improvement project related items. You know, people have just had a lot more money to spend. Uh, government stimulus hasn't hurt from that point of view, and they've got a lot less places to spend it. Uh, and, and then recently we've seen more of the pro side of the business taking off. So all of that has uh, put quite a stress. And I would say in terms of story on the ground, we're really in a situation now where most of our suppliers have Uh, sort of built their capacity. They've reacted in in a very important way. And frankly, Dan, I wasn't sure what we're going to see there because you could make the argument that, hey, this is just accelerated. We don't need to build new capacity to react to this. But most manufacturers have reacted by making major investments. So that part, I would say we're in much, much better shape now. And our our overall fill rates have recovered. Uh, Where we're seeing more stress, though, is on the raw material side. I would say really just in the last three or four months. Um, And that was compounded, I think you mentioned earlier, a a little winter storm in Texas. And uh, more importantly, the extended power outage that really took down the refinery, uh, all the refineries on the Gulf Coast in a bad way. Uh, And that's probably the most significant situation we have now from a supply chain point of view. So in a general sense, most of our manufacturers have recovered However, raw materials are in serious trouble, in particular, anything associated with refinery byproducts. Um, And, you know, obviously that's a situation that could persist for a long time. I've talked to a lot of people in the last few weeks and, you know, they say, hey, how in the world did a four-day storm in Texas create such a mess? And, uh, oh, by the way, some of our manufacturers are saying that may may create a problem into September, October, even the first of next year, depending on the industry. So, as far as where things are right now, um, most suppliers have recovered, I would say, but we've kind of got a top 25 or 30 suppliers in our industry around anything related to resin, uh, things like PVC, CPVC, paint, plastic storage, all those things, along with some electrical components that are in pretty short supply. So, we're, we're in a situation where most have improved, but we've got some pretty heavy hitters who are gonna be in trouble probably through at least Q2, if not into Q3, uh, as they try to rebuild raw material supply.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, it sounds like it's kind of akin to, you know, the supply chain and manufacturers were stressed to begin with. And so you might say, you know, I don't really, so what is a four day storm, like you said, what is a four day storm, have to do with it. But I think of it kind of like, well, normally you would say, what is catching a cold? People catch a cold every, every winter, but it's a lot different if you're recovering from heart surgery and you catch a cold as opposed to just the everyday person walking around catching a cold. And that's kind of what we saw was, uh, was not only was demand at, you know, uh, let's just say, um, record highs, um, the, the supply chain was already stressed. And then and then you add this little four-day blip onto it. Um, but it also looks like, you know, I, I know that as we've tracked sales in the industry, we got through April, May last year, and we were seeing comp sales up 20, 30% over the previous year. And everybody said, oh, I'm not sure that that's going to last. And then everybody said, well, it's going it might last through the first half of the year. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's going to, uh, you know, persist into the back half of the year. Well, persist persisted into the back half of the year. Now we said there's no way it's going to last through the fourth quarter and into 2021. Well, here we are and demand is still high. Do you think the supply chain, I- I- with all the challenges, is 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 really going to be able to keep pace with demand now?
1: <clears throat> well. It's a great question. And, and like you say, uh, anytime you ask someone, they say, well, what what demand assumption are you going to make? Right. Um, and, and I think that's the key, you know, to kind of go back a little bit to the Texas situation. Uh, and I think this is a more of a broad issue where there are basically all the buffer stocks or sa- or safety stocks, if you will, in every step of the supply chain have been exhausted. And so what we're seeing right now is, is when you take even a minor hit you know, four steps back into the supply chain, that has almost an immediate impact on the customer. And that's just something we're not used to seeing. It's not the way things are designed. Uh, So in terms of being well positioned to catch up, I'd say, you know, the capacities are in place, but until we get raw material supply back in a good shape and until we get those stocks built up in a way that I'll say even normal fluctuations Uh, don't just completely make a train wreck I think we're going to have a tough time Uh, so in general manufacturers I think have done a great job ramping up capacity uh, but it's really all about who can get raw material supply and frankly who's made an appropriate bet on the import side of things I didn't touch on that yet but you mentioned earlier you know we've got a huge pile up on the west coast of ships just trying to get into port there's a shortage of labor to get those ships unloaded and in turn uh, containers can't get back across the pond and, and get refilled. And so uh, all of that is uh, I, I think going to be key. So it's who can get their hands on raw materials and who's made the appropriate bet and has the appropriate contracts to get goods moved uh, across the pond because a lot of uh, let's face it, a lot of components, even though they're not finished goods, still come from overseas to supplier industry. So I think the really the strong are gonna survive this in terms of uh, those who have leverage on, on their own supply chain.
0: Well, l- l- let me shift gears for a second, cause I think that brings up kind of the other part of, of the conversation as it relates to supply. Is you know we've we, we've talked about it on this conversation, mentioned it several times. That demand has been booming. You know, it started out that pro-demand early in the pandemic was a little bit uh, repressed, and then it and then it started really kind of coming back in, in recent months. And at that same time. Uh, we began having, you know, seeing commodity price inflation, and now with some of these other uh, things emerging, like the resin challenges and the challenges of that places on things like OSB or gypsum, um, we, we've just seen inflation on pricing for commodity stuff just like shoot through the roof. Well, could could you kind of give us a quick overview of what's going on in that area? What's kind of, you know, what's what's driving that? But also, you know, I'm just curious as to what point are we going to, you know, kind of reach that um, inflection point where price increases and shortages start, you know, causing delays or, or, or stoppages in projects. And then it starts to kind of come back down.
1: Yeah, it's a I'll tell you, it's hard to be an expert these days because every time you take a position, it changes. But uh, yeah. really, it's a you know, we're we're in an interesting time right now. And I would say we may even be past that inflection point in some parts of the country, at least. Uh, Talking to, you know, a few folks uh, in certain parts of the country, things are already slowing down uh, for just the reasons you described. And people are kind of waiting on prices to come back down. In other parts of the country, if you can get your hands-on product, uh, building continues. And so uh, I think, you know, it's highly regional, but really the challenges here are not a lot different than what we've talked about. You know, you've got sort of a huge demand that really wasn't anticipated. In fact, many, uh, many people in the commodities business kind of made the wrong bet early on. They even slowed down uh, because of the the shortage or the slowdown in the pro business that you mentioned right out of the gate. Um, But now, you know, we're into a situation in particular with a resin problem, where forest products and panels are really now the biggest challenge uh, because they were recently hit by the refinery shutdowns. Um, uh, you know, early on mills took production off the market. Uh, they thought shelter in place means a big slowdown. Guess what? Right. Uh, it turned around and uh, now they're uh, really overwhelmed by demand for products due to new home construction and significant home fix up projects, you know, decks and other things are putting pressure yep. on the industry. So, um, The other other trend we're seeing is that uh, builders are shifting away largely from metro markets and into suburban and rural areas. Right. Uh, So people are looking for more space and uh, they're able to work remotely now. So we really see a really continued strong demand. However, I do believe we've already seen a slowdown in a lot of parts of the country just based on not just pricing of raw materials, but just the simple ability to get your hands on material. Uh, So So... Go ahead. what
0: what can a retailer building materials guy do right now i mean what what is their best course of action right now to i mean is it just you know i i've mentioned this a couple times on my program but one retailer said to me we've just become better buyers we're just trying to figure out you know what to do and where to get stuff and we're just out there wheeling and dealing is is, is there anything else that a retailer can do right now to kind of uh to 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 kind of get what they need, or kind of uh, uh, make sure that they're able to fill customers' orders.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I would say how, how people buy is certainly going to be a key to success. You know, there there's certainly a lot of risks, uh, in particular for builders right now. Uh, yeah. But I think access to product is going to be key. So really leveraging uh, the ability to, you know, build, build relationships and make sure that you have access to product at, at whatever price and then buying smart you know we're uh you know we we recently are finishing up uh our do it best market and our advice was simple uh hey look at the last 12 months we we believe that the kind of surge in demand is going to continue for a while and uh, we believe that people need to bet in an aggressive way and acquire the things that they're going to need at the best pricing they can um you know a lot of a lot of the uh dealer markets or you know you've got a little bit of an ability to lock in pricing right now right Uh, so that's something that's pretty important but i'd say access to product and then taking full advantage of specials and bet big i think people who hesitate right now are going to miss the boat uh for what we what we see at least as a pretty strong 2021
0: Yeah, and I I think what I've heard from a lot of retailers right now is I'd rather be over-inventoried than not have the product I need, you know, because, I, I, you know, just saying, I'd rather have the product on hand and have to find a place to keep it um, than be trying to scrape together to get it when it's not on my shelves, because, you know, buy it when it's available, buy it when you can get a good price on it. and 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 you know become become more of a a, a promotional buyer uh all those sorts of things kind of come into come into play do you think as we you know we're 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 kind of coming out of uh one buying season and 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 really a few weeks or a couple months away from going into the next kind of sort of buying season do you think there's any kind of i mean do, do, are are are, should retailers think about that still when you, I mean, when we're coming into the September buying markets and so on, do you think that that's still going to be the approach to, to a buying strategy is go in and just take advantage of as much as you can?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, um, we still have a little mileage between here and September. And I think, you know, we're gonna have to watch the demand curve carefully. But in a general sense, you know, again, we see 2021 being strong. Some of the trends, that have happened, uh, or I, should, I shouldn't say that have happened. Some of the things we're seeing in terms of trends are likely going to continue. You know, there are something like 25 million more people with a garden in the backyard than there were before. That's not going to turn off right away. Yeah. Um, you know, so really, it's looking at those areas that we think are more sustainable, uh, even if even if home construction does slow down a bit. Uh, I think there's going to be quite a lot of areas where you've seen a shift in consumer behavior. And uh, I think the fall is probably going to be a pretty big fall in terms of a buying opportunity.
0: When it comes to things like, and it's not just this, I mean, we've seen it before, but when you see these kind of dramatic fluctuations in Pricing on items, come on. I mean, I remember it was several years back when there was steel shortages, and everybody was talking about I don't know how to price bulk nails because because the the price is doubling on a box of nails, you know, and so on. What kind of advice could you give to to retailers right now when it comes to where there's this kind of fluctuation in the market? How do you how do you address pricing to make sure that you're not pricing things based on what you just paid to buy them, but then you might pay twice that to buy them in a month from now, when you have to replenish that. Uh, What, what, what should they think about? Well, how should they approach that?
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, there's probably more pressure on supply or availability than there is pricing in some ways right now. Probably the worst mistake uh, someone could make right now is not staying current on their pricing. I know we we advise uh, our members to really stay after their pricing and item maintenance. Uh, that's been key throughout the pandemic because, frankly, even the uh, availability of certain items changes uh, quite a lot. So, uh, you know, having the resources in the in the stores really staying on top of item maintenance and pricing and frankly, looking very carefully at what's happening in your individual markets, we see uh, even more um I would say fluctuation or variability than normal right now uh, from from region to region just based on what's going on in that marketplace so if I would say if a retailer doesn't have some significant resource with their eye on the ball on pricing in their market uh, that's an investment that's well worth making to protect their margin at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, that that that's great advice. Is it's it's time to be hyper vigilant on your pricing and and price fluctuations right now. Um, I, I know certainly retailers have learned a lot in the last eighteen months, and as a supply chain professional, I'm going to put that question to you: is is what do you think the distribution part of the channel has learned in the last eighteen months that'll kind of carry forward for the for the near future at least?
1: Well, it's uh, it's really all about agility. I'd say at this point, you know, the the winners in this environment are those who can react the most quickly to the unexpected. You know, it, it, probably everything in our blood says uh, you want to be proactive, not reactive. Uh, I think it's now about being proactively reactive. You know, building an organization and a supply chain uh, that is ready to leap uh, when something changes, because. You know, as you mentioned, who who knew that, uh, you know, a boat was going to get stuck sideways in the Suez Canal? I'm sure the uh, captain wouldn't appreciate me calling that a boat, by the way. But uh, you know, who who knew that that would create such a disruption in a handful of days? Uh, So I think it's really about developing uh, even more contingencies than we've ever had to think of. And looking at the flexibility of the supply chain, that's always been a buzzword. In, In many ways, that's been used to to shrink inventories, to uh, do those kind of things that make you run a lot leaner, I would say we're probably reconsidering uh, where it makes sense to be lean and where it makes sense to be a little bit more protected in terms of supply chain. So, you know, proactively reactive, I guess, is going to be my uh, paradox for the day. <laughs> well, well, that, that that that's probably a a good
0: thought um, and and a, a good. Uh, uh, sort of motto to live by for the for the near term future. Dent, I, I I know you have so much going on, and and uh, um, I I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us about everything that we've seen um, because it is just. You know, I think this is one of these cases where guys like you that are just coming up in the industry right now um, are going to look at case studies like this and say, "What did what did Dent do when they, when he was going through this?" Yeah, you, you know. So I think supply chain guys, as they're learning about it, are, are going to learn about the years 20 and 2021 to to, to figure out how to be agile. So um, so we can all learn something about that as we're as we're as we're hopefully kind of coming out the other side of this.
1: Yeah, let's hope so.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dent, for being on the program today. And we appreciate uh, we appreciate your thoughts on on this this very hot topic right now.
1: Thanks, Dan. Good to
0: see you. How do you lead an effective retail team? NHPA's Leading Your Team course teaches managers how to resolve conflict, how to establish trust, how to develop talent among your staff, how to improve team communication, and so much more. This course is offered online and is geared towards new and seasoned managers. Enroll today no matter where you might be on your management journey. Visit yournhpa.org fol for more information.